Welcome back to part two of Camille Guadi's interview. I hope that you learned so much from that first part. It was really a lot, wasn't it? Well, now you're going to learn even more, and I think you'll really be moved by all her stories and everything she has to share. So enjoy. Welcome to Donor Conception Conversations. This is the one podcast created exclusively for people who are planning to use donor conception to build their family or for people who have already built their family with donor conception. I'm your host. My name is Lisa Schumann. I'm a researcher, a therapist, and an expert in donor conception. And over my more than two decades of experience working both in fertility clinics and in my private practice, the Center for Family Building, I've met with thousands of donor-conceived individuals, children, recipients, and donors. And I have learned so much, and I'm here to teach you all that I've learned in this podcast. My guests and I will talk about everything that you need to know to have a better journey to parenthood. If it's about donor conception, we're going to talk about it. Like I was saying before, there were fears. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't like, oh, happy-go-lucky all the time. My fears were, oh, when this baby comes, you know, people always say, oh, he looks like you. Mm-hmm. Oh, da-da-da. Yeah. I was like, oh, if anybody says he looks like my husband, that's going to be a trigger for me. And... This is a a great part that I want people to hear because we can play, you know, God, scientist, whatever you want to call it when we're choosing our donor and say, oh, I want her to have brown hair. I want her to have dimples. I want her to have darker skin like me. I want her to come from this ethnic background Mm -hmm. and the child will come out how the child comes out. And my child came out looking exactly like my husband. And there is a theory that babies come out looking like the dads because dads kind of, dads will flee. So it's a way for them to connect. I don't know if you've ever heard this. I haven't. But it's like some theory that most children will come out, most babies come out looking like the dads as a way, as a source of connection. But he still remains to look exactly like my husband. He is like mini version of my husband. So my worst fear came true because everyone was saying, gosh, he is your twin. He looks exactly like you. I don't see any of Camille in there. I think it was like at 10 months when I had a final breakdown where I was just like, I want people to stop saying this. I don't understand. I like, he's my son too. Why is this happening? But the best thing about it is when you have these fears, talk about it, talk about it to somebody. Don't let them fester Mm -hmm. because Coming out with how I felt allowed my husband to support me where I needed to be supported. And it also, it's the reality. Yeah. (laughs) Whether he was, my genes were in there or not, he still would have, could have looked exactly like Mm -hmm. my husband. Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. Or your husband's mother or your husband's grandmother. Right. And, and then, and then there was a moment that I had where my son kept on doing this funny, like smile, like. And one time I was in the mirror with him and I was, I went like, I smiled and then he did the thing. And I was like, oh, oh, he's, he's doing that because of me. So, so there is this amazing moment that came back and we're like, okay, well, he doesn't have my genes, but he's like connected. He's mimicking my behavior. Yeah. He's connected. And also 
what does it even matter if he has my nose? Like how egotistical is it, right? Mm. Oh, he's, I, I want him to act like me and look like me. No, they are their own little people. Right. And I want him to be him. I want him to be himself. And I want him to look how whoever he's going to look like. It doesn't matter. Mm. It's beautiful. Yeah, there's all those lovely, tricky moments that you have to navigate. But in the end, I think it all, it's a way for us as parents of donor conceit, you know, going through donor conception to kind of grow. Yeah. There's a lot of growing that happened. A lot. Yeah, a lot. But, you know, we get there and you don't get stuck in it. That's amazing. You know, I don't think anybody chooses it if they're not ready. You know, you got to be ready. But ready doesn't necessarily mean without fear. That's a great point. I'm so glad. I hope everybody heard that. Yes, you could be ready with fear. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. I hope you don't mind if I quote you, because that is really beautiful. I think it's so important for people to to know that. You can be in acceptance of it, but still be afraid of it. Yes, 100%. And the only way to get rid of that fear is to go through it. You got to go through it and you got to grow with it. And I always say, Lisa, people like you, that, you know, you need to find someone to speak to, find a therapist. We had one. And my husband also said something really great when this was happening. Um, when I was like, so we were both broken about me not being able to get pregnant through IVF. And I was so distraught. And he said, you know, this isn't just happening to you. It's happening to us. I was like, you're right. And he's like, so allow me to help you. Cause I was acting like this was just my problem. And I love that guy, Camille. That is beautiful. I know. He's got his problems. All right. Yeah. <laughs> That's so beautiful. It actually going through this um, really brought us closer, which sometimes can bring couples apart. Yes. But that's where I think like communication and speaking, like we saw a therapist together, not just me. That's you great. Know? And I think that was really helpful. And what did yeah. the therapist help you with? A lot of the grieving was the main thing, recognizing that as grief. Mm-hmm. I would have just bypassed that. I would have just taken it. Oh, I feel sad. She had me write a letter and then let it, letting it go. Mm-hmm. The great part about going through that grief is that's how I was able to shift my lens of looking at the donor as not as a threat, but as a woman who was now allowing me or giving me this gift. I know people don't like that word sometimes when I say gift in that way, but that's what I say because mm-hmm. it was yeah, a gift that was going to fulfill a dream. She allowed me to be a mom in a way that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And I all of a sudden was grateful for her rather than looking at her as, as a threat in my life, which it's so crazy to even think, but I, I wanted like no part of her. Well, of course. And you need that transformation, right? We all go yeah. through that. I went through that when yeah. I adopted my children also. It's, it's, mm-hmm. we all go through it. It's not the way that we thought the story was going to be. And it's nothing against that person. It's about our own healing and our own development and our own transformation to this different place. And now you got to this new place and you were able to accept her and embrace her and embrace the whole process and embrace being able to be somebody who you didn't think you were going to be, which was a mom of a donor conceived child. And that's a, a huge right. transformation for anyone. 
mm-hmm. enormous. Yeah. How did you decide, okay, I'm going to start talking about this? And then when did you decide, I want to talk about this openly to the world? Two things happen. One, my husband did not want to talk about it. He didn't want anyone to know. It was like a family secret. And he comes from a family that is very secretive. And I come from a family that's kind of an open book. You know, we don't leave anything unpacked. (laughs) We get in there. And I remember when he was saying that, how it made me feel. I told him, I said, you know, when you say that, it makes me feel like I'm the problem. It makes me feel like something was wrong and there's shame in our story and you don't want to talk about it because you feel shame about it. I said, when what we really should be doing is celebrating our journey and how we got here and making this like a positive way of building a family. Because if we keep it a secret, then there's a problem, right? Keeping something hidden to me was like, oh, there's shame in that story. Don't say it out loud. Or we can be really grateful and really proud of how we got here. And then that becomes our son's journey, our family building story. And he did see it that way. And he apologized. (laughs) And I had these moments when I was pregnant. One in particular that I remember when I was at a Starbucks and the woman who was working there, she knew me because I always went into the Starbucks and she goes, oh my gosh, you're pregnant. How old are you? And I was like 42, I think 42, 43, I can't remember. And she goes, oh, I have so much time. And I was like, oh, oh, that's what I'm giving off. I'm giving off the appearance that I just got pregnant and you can too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I just got pregnant. Yeah. With my husband and I, and you know, it just happened. And I said, yeah, you may. I said, you may have time. I said, but if you have time, I'll actually, I'll sit down and tell you how this happened because it wasn't just a linear road. And that was always a little thing in the back of my head. And then the publicist called and said, people magazine want to do a piece on you being pregnant, like a congratulations piece. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, if they do this and I just say I'm pregnant, then I'm going to be coming out publicly and not sharing my story. And that's when I told my husband and I said, what do you think? I said, when it's out, it's out. Like we are out. Can't rewind that. Can't rewind that tape. And I said, you know, we can be private about it. It's not a secret if we don't go out publicly, we can be, we can keep our privacy and not say anything. But I'll tell you right now, I, I would feel like I was not celebrating my truth if I didn't say how I got pregnant. Like, I would feel like I was lying, you know, mm. on social media, posting these pregnant, like I would be lying. And that's just how I felt. I felt like this isn't the truth of how we got here. And people would be saying, congratulations. And I would be saying, oh, yes, thank God I got pregnant and all these things. But no. Why not celebrate how I got pregnant? Why is this so taboo? Why does nobody want to talk about donor conception? Why did I feel ashamed in the beginning to use donor conception? Why was this such an issue for me? So I went through all that and I was like, we're going to talk about it. We're going to say how it happened and we're going to talk about it. And I'll tell you, when I was sitting down with the reporter, 
talking about, she was in such shock and she was like, you're not the only one. I was like, I bet you I'm not. She goes, you're the first one who's coming out. She goes, I bet this is going to lift the veil and all these celebrities are going to come out and start talking about how they got pregnant. But it didn't happen. Crickets. (laughs) It didn't happen. But Camille, that is amazing because here you are, right? You're a young actress. It's not like you're... Meryl Streep, who has, you know, 40 years behind you and you're just can retire now. Right. You, you know, you're still moving forward with your career and all these other people in Hollywood are not being honest about it. And so you had all this, I'm sure all this pressure and all of this stuff on the line to say, I'm coming out with this story that nobody's ever done. And I'm going to share something that nobody's ever shared. And I'm going to be brave in like in the middle of my career when, you know, I could do otherwise, just like everybody else. It's tremendous bravery. How did you do that? Thank you. Um, I don't know. I just, I felt it in my gut that I wanted to celebrate how we got here rather than lie about it. And to me, it would have been lying just to say, I'm pregnant and here's my son. Like there would have still been that thing in the back of my head. Lying by omission, right? Yeah. And, and you know what, what's interesting, what happened when I actually like spoke out about it, it was very healing for me because then people were coming out of the woodwork being like, oh my gosh, I'm also um, thinking about it and your story helped me and this is how I'm feeling and Men were coming out saying, you know, that they were feeling the same way and they're not, they're the ones who are having male infertility. And I was like, oh my gosh, this whole community that has been there underlying on social media that I never even knew existed. All of a sudden, like people were coming out and it was helping me heal all the things that I was feeling as I was helping other people go through what they were going through because I had just gone through it. So I'm just so happy I made that choice because now even speaking to my son, like it's, you diminish the shame and yeah, I might be one of the only ones who have spoken out about it, but there's a big community where people are talking about donor conception and we're here to do it right. You know, or we have now the opportunity to change the trajectory of it without, you know, making a donor, you know, identity now rather than making it anonymous. Like all of these things will be so helpful in the future for our children. You know, now you become like a little mom warrior now that it's out and you're able to like do things in support of your child's future. And all of that that I'm doing also helps all the, because there's fears still come up, right? Mm-hmm. As you, as time is gone. But I'm like, well, what is that fear? Oh, medical history. Well, what can I do to change that? You know, uh, what's another fear? Oh, siblings. Okay. How does it make me feel really weird? Do I have to call them siblings? Well, it is his genetic makeup. So let me get rid of my weirdness with it. And at some point, if he wants to meet, you know, other siblings or whatever, what do they call genetic siblings, genetic siblings? Yeah. If he wants to meet them. Yes. That's, that's his right. Mm-hmm. That's his right. And do you know what? The more open I am about it, who knows? Who knows how he's going to feel? But I feel comfortable now with him. Like, I found I found my donor. I found my donor on Instagram. Like, 
but I found her and she's a beautiful woman and she's a beautiful mother. And like, if my son wants to know where his genes came from, like, I would love for that to happen one day. So it just changes everything. It's incredible. Yeah. Just to back up for one second, because this is incredible, but I just wanted to, to address one other thing. And that is this issue, just to kind of go back about not looking like your child. I think a lot of people struggle with this. Am I going to connect with this child? Is this child going to connect with me? Is this child going to say, you're not my mom and I hate you because you don't, you know, I don't have your dimples or I don't have your dark hair or whatever. People just worry that if there's no genetic connection, that all these other problems will come up. So certainly I have my issues with my children and they have their issues with me. It has nothing to do with genetics, but I have a whole different story. So I'm wondering from your perspective so far, did any of these fears come true for you? Do you feel any of them have kind of surfaced? And if so, how do you handle them? No. None of them are true. We are very connected nice. to each other. So much so that my husband had, and I've had, we've had arguments, my husband, because he, he gets angry that he only, you know, my son only wants me and doesn't want him. And, and I said to him, I said, you know, I just wonder if, cause I felt myself like constantly trying to like placate to my husband's needs, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm, I don't want to put a middleman here. Like if he's in a mommy phase, let him be in a mommy phase. Yeah. yeah and yeah. you'll get your, you'll get your daddy time. Yes. <laughs> right. Just take it as a break because it's not easy for either of us when he only wants mommy and he doesn't want daddy. Right. You know, but I was like, if it was you who had the genetic uh, issue, right. I said, can you just give it to me? Like, let me have this. Yes. <laughs> let me yes. have right. this time where he is like mommy, 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 mommy. That's so sweet. He still had his issues with it. <laughs> but like I say, is it a valid fear? Absolutely. It's it's part of, I think, going through this process. You will think these things. But you are the mom. You are the mom no matter what. And the connection with your child is really, whether it's your genes or not, is truly up to you, Right and how much you want to connect and how, and, and how you want to connect. And, you know, and I'm sure at this point when everyone's like struggling to become pregnant and you make this choice, you are in it, you know, you're, you're, you will be doing things that you birthday parties and who knows what, but you'll be doing it all Mm -hmm. making big food that you were, you know, you were like, didn't think you were going to do and Lord knows, but yes, you will do everything for this baby. Just as it like, just the same as if you, you didn't have an issue getting pregnant, it would have been, it's the same. Mm-hmm. And he's my husband's, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's, he's both of ours. Yes. Like, yes. And sometimes my husband will differ and say, Hey, I think he loves you more. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay. You might love me more now. That's right. <laughs> Great. We'll happens later. Yes. Put in your time, love, and yeah. maybe he'll. And maybe he'll. Right. Exactly. That is a challenge. He loves us both mm-hmm. unconditionally, as much as we love him unconditionally. And yes, there are those moments where he tells me to get away, and I don't, I don't want you here, or you know. And 
that's fine. It's a little person now. He's four and you need to respect their autonomy and what they want. And they want their space and I'm going to give him his space. <laughs> but it doesn't feel like that's happening because he's not genetically connected to you. You don't ever have that no. feeling. So No, but I will say when he's in a bad mood, I'm going to say, that's your genes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Right. I'm not to blame. I mean, it's just, right. like, yes. right. just right. a little joke between right. my husband and I. That's funny. Because my husband is like perpetually always like with a sour face and I'm always like smiling. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. if our son is in a bad mood, I'm like, yep, you're right. Yep. Don't blame me. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Those are, you've got strong genetics there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just want to ask you one last question. Is that you know, I often say that it's really hard when you uh, move forward in your life. You think about, I want to get pregnant. I want to have a baby. Everyone in your life is supportive of you because these are the people who you choose to be in your circle. But then as your circle widens, you end up meeting other people. You end up meeting, you know, the head of the soccer team and the PTA mom and the, you know, ballet class teacher or whoever. And people don't always feel very warmly about this concept for religious or cultural reasons or because people are old fashioned. Sometimes they don't embrace it. And so then you have to decide, like, am I going to tell my the assistant teacher in my kid's school who seems to be very culturally different or religiously different and maybe is not going to be embracing this? Are they going to look at my child differently if I tell them? And and how do I get to a place where I make that decision? So how are you starting? And yeah. I know he's just heading into this school age and so it's just beginning for you, but yeah. how, how are you navigating that? At first I used to uh, tell people like right off the bat, and it was kind of, I think a little jarring for people they don't really know how to take it or, you know, it's just awkward. And then I kind of got to a place where I was like, okay, again, it's not a secret. It's just like, everybody doesn't need to know until it comes up. Right. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't come up, then I don't need to say it. My son's in a very small school right now, 15 people. And there's a kid that looks exactly like him. And I said, wow, his mom's a little bit older. And I was like, huh, Mm. is that her genetic son? Or do you know if they use a donor? You're like, that's an odd question. I was like, oh, I'm only playing because my son comes from a donor and he looks exactly like my son. So that would be interesting if they're, if like we use the same donor. Yeah. So they're like, oh, you know, so it, it comes out in different ways. Sometimes this school, I haven't necessarily said it, but we're doing a family photo thing soon and I'm going to talk to them about it. And I think like, be careful with, like, if there's people that you think are not going to be, this is just my opinion, by the way, but if you think that people aren't going to be, you can protect your family, right? And yes. your family story. If you think that people aren't going to be so nice. Yes. I didn't see a lot of that until actually coming to Nashville, where I feel like it's a very religious city. Tennessee is just a religious state. And I was like, oh, I think I need to protect this a little bit. I mean, anybody can look online and see my mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. my whole journey and story, but I don't know how welcoming people would be if I just like blurted it out. So I'm a little bit more picky with who I talk to about mm-hmm. it, but 
you know, friends that we've met know my story and everybody, everyone is great. People are fun. They don't even blink an eye. And I think as we're coming into this day and age now where it's like same sex marriages, same sex couples, they have donor, you know, kids and children, and we don't blink an eye with that, mm-hmm. you know? So why would we, when we're having trouble getting pregnant, why do you think, why do we think people are going to think negatively? Is it because we think negatively of it? Do you know what I mean? Is it because of how we thought about it in the beginning that we think other people are going to think this way? I also sometimes have the viewpoint of, I actually don't care what they think because this is how I raised my family. And if, and if I don't have a problem with it, then maybe it'll change their perspective when they see how cool we are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Great we are. Right. So it's only sometimes I think when we're hoarding a story, you know, hiding it from people and not wanting them to know that I feel like people are like, oh, maybe there was, a, you know, maybe that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But I want them to see that we are a healthy, we are a healthy family and our family will still be growing Yeah, eventually. And that's cool. Yeah, it's great. But we see privacy and secrecy can be two different things, right? You don't have to be ashamed, but there are yeah. people who have these religious or cultural differences who, you know, have difficulty. I talk in, in my book about, you know, my daughter going to kindergarten and the assistant teacher was an immigrant from India who has her own ideas about life and about children. And she has very strong religious beliefs. And she would always say to Mm -hmm. me, anytime there's a parent teacher conference, well, you don't really know your child because, you know, she's not yours. And so of course you don't really know her. And she, this is just how she, right. And so that's her belief system. And so I felt like, you know what, I don't need to tell the world. Also, it gets tiring, right? To every single person on the planet, planet wants to know every detail of, you know, how you chose your donor and all of that. It does at year two, maybe, yeah. you know, feel fine, but at year 10, it does get a little yeah. tiring. So it is hard to make those decisions, but it sounds like you're very open about it, Camille. And I give you a lot of credit for that. Thank you. I mean, I'm open to a point. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not how I used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I used to say it as a part of a healing thing for me and I don't find it necessary to to say anything as, as often as I, you know, as I used to. In fact, you know, most of the people in his new school have no idea Mm -hmm. and that's okay. That's fine. Mm -hmm. And I do speak to Morrison about it. He knows. So if anybody, you know, if anyone were to ask him or if he, he still would say, I'm mommy and I'm my daddy's daddy. Mm-hmm. So the donor part probably wouldn't even come into his head until, you know, who knows a little later on when he's saying, cause we talk about exactly how he got here, you know, and he knows the whole entire story. So does he like to hear his donor story? Oh, he does. We, and you know, when we were, we were at that conference the other, the other day and we got, um, and you were, you were there, we got a little, um, a sperm (laughs) toy Uh and I said, well, that's actually not, he goes, it's a sperm whale. It doesn't really look like a whale. I'm like, it doesn't, what does it look like? It goes a tadpole. I was like, yeah, it does look like a tadpole, Uh doesn't it? I said, well, that's a sperm from daddy that goes into an egg. I said, and what happened to mommy's eggs? He goes, mommy's eggs didn't work. I said, no, they didn't. He said, so where did we get an egg? Because we went to, we, because we went to the egg lady. And I was like, yes, we went to the egg lady. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the egg lady put the egg in the sperm and mommy carried it. Nice. He's a big storyteller. So 
part of this, part of telling the story to him is he loves it. That's great. And, you know, and there's other tools, like you have your book that you Mm -hmm. have out that is great to, you know, map out how they got here and put pictures and all of these things. The scrapbook is amazing. And all of that, I encourage people to do as much as you can in able, you know, in being able to tell your, your story to your kids, because it's so important. So important. So important. And on that note, I think I will let you go, Camille. I know you have to get back to your family, but thank you so much. Is there anything before we end that you wanted to share with the audience or you think that we haven't discussed? I don't know. I'm pretty sure we like covered a lot there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we covered a lot, but if anybody, you know, like I said before, if anybody wants to reach out to me on social media, I'm here. Um, I am not a therapist. Um, I will only give you my story and I won't really give advice because medical advice or any of that kind of advice is Mm -hmm. not my game, but I'm here. Um, if anyone needs you know, an ear. It's incredible and so kind of you and so generous. And you have a very big and busy life. And I really, really <laughs> appreciate you spending time with us today and sharing this information. Of course. With it's going to help so many people, Camille, and you already have. And I'm so grateful to you to that you're doing this. It's really incredible. And thank you for coming on and thank you for all you do. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And for all of you out there, please reach out to me or Camille anytime on social media or my website, familybuilding.net. And certainly subscribe because that's how we keep going. And please join us again next week for another episode. Thank you so much for joining us.